Jesus is across the Jordan River, far from Jerusalem, when the word comes. When he was last in the city, the religious leaders threatened to stone him, and he needed to slip away quickly. And so he's come again to this wilderness where it all began with John the Baptist. And maybe he's hiding out, but he's still hard at work. The crowds, always, they always have a way of finding him, even among the tall reeds along the riverside. They come, ready to listen, longing to follow him into new life. And it's in the middle of all this hubbub, dodging authorities and welcoming new disciples, both, that the word comes. His friend, Lazarus, is sick. He must be in bad shape if the sisters would go to the trouble and expense of sending a messenger all the way to Jesus. Surely he knows that it's dire. And yet, for some inexplicable, maddening reason, he waits. He does not drop everything to run back to Bethany. Surely the people here at the Jordan can wait, right? Is he confused? Worse, is he, is he playing games or are his priorities all mixed up? The gospel writer tells us that he does it to help others come to believe, but I'm not convinced. He is too compassionate for that. So we don't know. We just know that he waits far, far too long. Of course, it wasn't just back then that a delay in seeing the healer could have terrible consequences. But you know this. It's no secret that our medical system is broken. All too often I hear stories from people who are forced to decide, to decide whether to get medical care based not on what their bodies need, but on if they think they can afford the bill that will come. Insured or not, a, a trip to the ER, or, or even just pursuing follow-up care with a specialist, or, or getting the right tests to get the clear diagnosis, these can break the bank. People wait because they know they cannot pay. They know that the debt will make it so much worse, even as they get sicker. And it is far too late for Lazarus. And Mary and Martha rail at Jesus when he finally comes walking down that dusty road to Bethany. Jewish tradition held that the soul left the body after three days, meaning that after four days, it's bordering on insulting for Jesus to show up only now. It's beyond hope. The stench of death has settled in. A big stone is, is required to keep it inside the tomb. And so the sisters demand answers. How could he? How could he wait? They know he loved their brother. 
And he knew how sick he was. Why would he let this happen? I love how Mary and Martha claim their own power here, pushing back, adamant that it could have been another way. And at the same time, they stay, they stay rooted in this mysterious faith. They know that Jesus will bring more life somehow, eventually. This dreaming of another way, even as it remains far off, I see that hope in our world. But before we can move toward it, we have to reckon with what's really happening. We first have to approach these places where death has taken hold. Here is a stark number to consider. More than a hundred million Americans, or one in three, struggles with the burden of medical debt. One in three. This is debt that came, whether insured or not, because they sought help to be healthy. The weight comes pressing down in so many ways. Here are a few snapshots. For Sheila, it came as the recurring and impossible choice of feeding her kids or taking care of herself as she struggled with recurring kidney stones. For Etienne, back surgery gone wrong resulted in a long hospital stay and monumental bills. It destroyed his credit and meant that even once he was well, he couldn't sign for a student loan for his kid to go to college. He said he felt worthless. For a young woman named Kay, the crisis came when a doctor found a lump in her breast and recommended a mammogram. Because she was so young, her insurance would not cover it, a fact that she found out only months later when the bill arrived. She struggled with the debt for a decade. One hundred million stories like these. The weight is crushing. Jesus asks the sisters to lead him to the tomb. Facing the deep ache of this loss moves him and he weeps. He acknowledges in his body that this is not how it is supposed to be. Does he wish that he had come sooner? Does he regret the pain that he's caused all these people by his delay? We don't know. But, but one of the most precious things about Jesus is his humanity. That he can be moved, that his heart is broken, that he weeps with his friends. And then his face still wet, he shows us that maybe there's another way. He shows the sisters that maybe the resurrection comes not just at the end of time, but that life could return here, now. 
Jesus draws close to the tomb, closer than they or we would dare. And he speaks this beauty into being. It seems impossible, obviously. And still Jesus speaks, pulling life back into being. Lazarus, come out. And unbelievably, the dead man rises and staggers forward out into the bright light of day. But friends, Jesus does not raise Lazarus alone. He has done what we cannot do, but there's one more step. It's his final words that set life back into motion for Lazarus. When Jesus calls out to all those gathered, to everyone who can hear, unbind him and let him go. And they do. I imagine how they begin to step forward cautiously at first and slowly, slowly beginning to unwind the fabric from his hands and his feet and his face. Jesus raises him and the people set him free. This happens still today, you know. It's happening right now all across our country. Our medical system is broken in many ways. But sometimes, sometimes we can pull freedom up from the cracks of our broken world. And a nonprofit called RIP Medical Debt is doing just this. They have learned the loopholes of the system and they are using them for good. It turns out that hospitals often have a hard time collecting medical debt and eventually they will give up. They sell bundles of debt to collection agencies at a huge discount who see the debt as a hopeful investment and then try to collect the full amount that is owed. It is legal and it is predatory and it leaves so, so many people in dire straits. RIP Medical Debt learned that they could play this game too, but they play it toward liberation. They raise money often through churches and then they buy these massive bundles of medical debt. They focus on those most in need based on their income level and the amount they owe. And they buy this debt from the hospitals for about a penny on the dollar. So if a church raises $10,000, they can buy a million dollars in debt. And then they forgive it. RIP Medical Debt sends a letter to each of these people whose debt they've just bought, letting them know that their debt does not exist anymore, that they are free. It is a modern expression of the biblical jubilee, the time when all debts were erased, the burden gone, a fresh start for everyone. It is not a replacement for justice, but it is good and beautiful. 
Unbind them, Jesus says. Unbind them and let them go. This is his call to that crowd gathered in in grief and anger and longing. And finally, in wonder. He shows them that new life is possible here and now. Yes, the authorities are still after him. And they will hunt him down even more fervently after this incredible act. The system is still broken. There is no question. But even now, even within that, there is life. And there is life returning. He is bringing it forth. He is calling it out. And together with that, he is calling us in. Calling us to act, insisting that we have a crucial role to play. Where do you see your neighbors bound by death? Where do you see folks bent under the weight of the system? That's where life can come, Jesus says. Even there, even from behind the heaviest stones, even when we think it has been far too long to hold on to hope. Especially there, he calls for life. And then he turns again to us and says, Unbind them and let them go.